Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, and I mentioned in Newsweek this week as half of Shirley Manson from Garbage's Brain. And I'm Jen Jordan, and I am not mentioned in Newsweek. Uh, so that's pretty cool, Mara. You're usually the one mentioned in Newsweek. But so. not with cool people. I know. I had to humble brag. Senator, you've been very busy. Tell us what's going on. Man, we have had a lot of stuff happening. We've been doing the campaign, but, you know, redistricting stuff is starting to really heat up. The census numbers have come in, and it's it's really interesting just how diverse Georgia has gotten and kind of where we're going. I'm glad you brought that up because the census came out and it just seems like the diversity, it was the takeaway. But I feel like the other takeaway is redistricting and gerrymandering. Yeah, so the deal is we have grown pretty significantly in the state. And I think that we have actually blown away what people thought in terms of predictions, in terms of the diversity of that growth, Um, and specifically with the AAPI community. I mean, it is just incredible. And so what we've seen are places like Johns Creek are now majority minority, which, you know, how Johns Creek kind of came about and folks moving out and all that to the suburbs, that's just not what anybody ever thought that it would look like. But what's going to happen, though, now, you know, there's been so much reporting as far as like these districts. It's it's hard to win these local elections because they're controlled by Republicans and people are going to vote Republican, even though that this although obviously you can't always expect because the diverse community is always going to vote Democrat. You can't expect that. But what can Democrats do? I mean, I feel like there's there's so much of this good news, bad news situation. Yeah, I mean, the good news is we're becoming more diverse and we're growing in the areas that are Democratic and and it's growing the Democratic base. The bad news is, is that Republicans are in control and they can absolutely basically do whatever they want and justify it by saying that they're just doing it because of partisanship. So, you know, well, we're going to draw it this way because we want to win. Right. And and ultimately, you can almost justify anything with that excuse. Well, that's definitely something that we're going to have to keep our eye on because it's, you know, it's scary. It's troubling. It's it's but it's the uplifting part is seeing the diversity. I mean, that's I think a lot of people don't understand Georgia. And then when you see those hard numbers and the hard data, you're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, this is a really diverse state and that it's incredible that we're really seeing that reflected in the numbers. But, you know, as bad as gerrymandering is and, and you know, we're going to have a special session to do redistricting. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. But as bad as that is, you can't gerrymander a state. And so the statewide offices won't be subject to the lines that Republicans draw. All right. Well, the next thing we need to talk about is COVID. And I know we're all so sick of talking about COVID and vaccinations and all of that. But I feel like it's really important to keep bringing this up as far as the the last time we're talking about all the mass mandates and, and all that stuff. And it's just it has not died down. And the covid numbers are just spreading like wildfire. No, it's it's you know, when when you see the Department of Public Health put out notices basically asking people not to go to the emergency room unless it's a life or death situation, you know that we're in trouble. 
What do you make of the governor calling in the National Guard to help with us? That this seemed like a very bizarre public strategy. Well, he called him in initially to help with uh, cleaning and 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 just kind of support for healthcare providers when when the pandemic first started. I think that the the bigger issue is is that if he would have been supportive of mask mandates and people getting vaccinated, you know, I don't think he would have had to necessarily call in the National Guard. So, you know, it's it, it it's a lot. It was announced that LSU has decided you had to have a vaccine required. That incredible liberal school, <laughs> LSU, liberal state university. Is that what people are saying? Is that like the word on the street? Because I don't follow any college football or sports in general. No, they are not liberal. <laughs> I know that. I know that. But is that like the blowback they're getting? You know, I'm not sure, but I will tell you that at least in Louisiana, they have a governor with sense enough not to pack a bunch of people into a football stadium and think that that's going to be okay in the middle of a public health crisis. So what do we do here? University of Georgia has said, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing a mask mandate. We're not doing a mask mandate, which they did do mask last season. So where do we go from here? I'm not sure because... I think that this is all coming from the top. I think that if the governor indicated that to the Board of Regents, for example, that he wanted certain things to happen, they would jump, right? So I think that that whatever is happening in the university system of Georgia, I think it's coming directly from the governor of this state. And let's get into the schools because, I mean, Cobb County, which is your district senator, is really mind-blowing. Some of these anti-mask rallies and 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 it's like you read these stories every day. The the loudest voices at these rallies a week later, they're in the hospital dying. Kids are getting sick. Cobb County just seems to be always in the national spotlight. In Cobb County Thursday, tense moments outside the school district's central office headquarters where parents clashed over masks in the classroom. You don't hit me in the mouth. You spit on me. I spit on you. There's a bunch of old people who literally, there's no way they have children in the public school system. Care about others. Care about others. The rally began with dozens of parents like Allison Feldman, who came out to voice their support for a mask mandate. We have a serious problems in our schools right now, and we feel like we're not being heard by the superintendent or any of the board members. Allison's 11-year-old son, Everett, is a student at Dickerson Middle School. He told me that despite a reported surge in COVID cases in the classroom, many of his classmates are not masking up. Do you feel safe when you're, how do you feel? Not very safe at all. Well, it's obviously there are some leadership issues over there with respect to the education system. I mean, Cobb County is a great county. And, you know, the schools over there are good. There are good people over there and they want their kids to be safe. So I'm not sure kind of where the disconnect is, but something needs to change. I have not had my son complain even once about masks. He hasn't. It's these kids. And here's what I find interesting. When I will drive by 
a school and I see kids on the playground, a lot of them still keep them on, which they don't have to in the playground, but they keep it on anyway. Or I've watched kids get off the school bus and they still keep it on. It's part of their normal life. It's like no shoes, no shirt, no service. It's just, that's what they're doing now. Yeah, because they they understand, they've been told this is going to protect them. So, of course, they're going to wear it. They're, they haven't been pulled into this ridiculous partisan fight that absolutely has nothing to do or at least shouldn't have anything to do with public health. What's legal and what isn't? What's taking so long for schools to mandate vaccines? I just read that Decatur City Schools, they are finally going to, or they are very close to it as the, at the time we're recording, to requiring vaccines. What's slowing it down for other school districts? You know, I think that a mask mandate is different than a vaccination mandate. I mean, people, especially before there was final authorization from the FDA, people did have some some issues. You know, I didn't, but, you know, I can at least kind of understand where some people are coming from. And some people don't trust the healthcare system or the government with respect to that just because of, you know, historical issues and the way certain communities have been treated. With that said, I think we're getting to a point that the numbers are getting so bad that the school districts are going to come to a point to say, if we don't do the vaccine mandate, then we're going to have to go completely virtual. And I don't think anybody wants to do that perpetually. We definitely don't want that. And it is such a uh, I, I I just don't understand it. I mean, I, I'm curious to know what you think of this uh, interesting sidebar mandate from Delta Airlines. Ed Bastian, the CEO of Delta, instead of having a vaccine mandate, said we're going to charge an extra $200 on your insurance premium. Yikes. That'll hit you. If you don't get the vaccine. And there was a funny thing, too, when they put out the memo, they didn't call it the Delta variant. They called it like the scientific number. Um, but I thought that was really creative. Did a who comes up with that? Is that a team of lawyers you think are sitting down or is that a crisis PR? Like, how do you think that goes down? It's probably both. I mean, we've talked about in the past how we thought that the governor should use kind of a carrot approach. Like if you do this you'll get put into a lottery to win a bunch of money, whatever it is. This is almost like a stick approach where it's, okay, that's fine. You can make decisions on your own, but you have to understand that at the end of the day, when you make a decision like that, ultimately it impacts our company financially because we have to pay for your care. And I think the numbers show that on average, Delta was spending about $40,000 when they had an employee come down with COVID. It's pretty unbelievable. I mean, look, I see it happening. One of my best friends right now was sick with COVID and it was because she went back to her office and was told that everybody in the office had to be vaccinated, but there are contract because it's a construction situation. There had been a contractor who was not vaccinated who came in and out and they didn't enforce it. And now she's sick with COVID and has to take two weeks off. Is there any legality there? Like we're going to be running into a lot of this coming up. Well, one of the things that the the General Assembly did is they actually, you know, they immunized corporations and employers from being responsible for if one of their employees gets COVID. So in terms of going after anybody for being, 
you know, exposed, you know, to this this virus, you know, right now under Georgia law, nobody has any recourse. Okay, so she's in North Carolina, so we will I guess have to look at that. But yeah, I'm sure there's probably something similar. Yeah, and and it's just she feels. Um, I feel so bad for her. And I, I, I know she can't be alone. I'm sure if you're listening, you know somebody, number one, who has breakthrough COVID or number two, who's tr- maybe felt safe and then suddenly they were not safe. It's a bummer. Switching gears a little bit, I want to mention quickly about Afghanistan. Obviously, is so tragic about uh, the 13 uh, Marines that were killed. And uh, my heart went out with, with that whole, with everything that happened there. But what do you make of the governor uh, commenting on that? You know, it's been interesting because he's tried to insert himself into some of these national issues and, and national kind of uh, political conflicts. I mean, the border stuff, you know, didn't he send some National Guard, some Georgia National Guard members to the border? Yes. I mean, you know, we can't, he, he can't even protect his people from COVID, but he's going <laughs> to send like the National Guard to the border. I mean, my guess is, is that it is done with an intent to try to get on Fox News. Now, with that said, look, I think everybody Republican or Democratic, you know, heart just broke with that news. And those Marines died protecting the lives of other Americans and other people who have aided us and trying to get them to safety. So, you know, just prayers for their family. No doubt about it. I mean, no doubt about it. But it has been interesting seeing the using that for political reasons. But you know, as a booker, okay, let's just yep. kind of pull back yep. from it. What do you do, you know, when you're looking to book somebody, you're looking to book them with respect to whatever the issue is that's popping that day, You're right? absolutely right. So if I'm trying to get my guy booked on shows, then I'm going to have him make statements about things that I know that are popping in the news so that maybe I can get them on the rotation for OAN or Fox News or whatever. You are 100% right. And uh, as a booker, I would say, oh, like, like I would probably book Latham Sadler because he's a Marine or he was a Navy SEAL. I can't, I don't remember. Well, I, he's, he's military. We yeah, know that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's kind of cute. Uh, come on, Mara. <laughs> well, <laughs> You're, you and Republicans. It's, I know. It's this thing. I'm, I'm, I, listen, I want to like people that I d- may not have things in common with, but I, But I think someone like that who's running for Senate has more of a kind of a leg to stand on talking about these kind of issues because... You're exactly right. I mean, if I'm going to go to anybody, it should be him because he at least has a place of legitimacy in terms of his past experience that he can actually speak to some of this stuff as opposed to I'm just going to go out and do a one-off press conference and and criticize the administration. Right. And I've seen a lot of that and I've, I've seen... A lot. I've seen stuff put out there, but from Warnock and Ossoff, as far as trying to help people get out, and they've been vocal about it. And it's a very complicated uh, and obviously tragic situation. So it's interesting to see the optics of it, of how uh, local politicians are just sort of taking the ball and run, running with that on on that topic because it's been such a big one. Yeah, and I think it's going to continue to be big as we. 
you know, deal with the aftermath. I mean, we've been there for 20 years. You can't just leave a place and just expect that there aren't going to be any repercussions. One more thing before we get to the court. The uh, Supreme Court made the ruling on the moratorium and for people getting evicted. And the one thing that I keep hearing from a lot of Democrats, pack the court, pack the court, pack the court. Is that even possible? No, I mean, I don't think that that is anything that's kind of in anybody's mind right now. I mean, if you look at what we're dealing with in terms of the pandemic and Afghanistan and I mean, all of the stuff that that we're dealing with right now, I think we need to kind of stay focused and 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 move forward with respect to what's right in front of us. Okay. Well, that's a lot. And we've got even more because we haven't even gotten to the biggest Georgia political story of the week. I got to ask you, Jen, what were your thoughts on Herschel Walker running for Senate? You know, I think that it's going to depend on how his team presents him. He does have such kind of a good brand here in the state, partly because he hasn't been here. So the only thing people remember are all the great things about him, you know, um, winning the national championship. He was such a star. I mean, my first dog I named Herschel, for God's sakes. I mean, it's that kind of brand that, you know, political consultants just salivate over. But the problem is, is that the brand is not congruent with the reality of who he is politically. And so the big question is, are those two going to collide? He's so beloved so many places. I have talked to Republicans who are like, I love Herschel, go dogs. I can't vote for him. But yet all the polls, he has the most name recognition. And, and my biggest thing is, besides all the alleged wife abuse and girlfriend abuse that keeps getting reported, which is extremely troubling, but, you know, we see that that hasn't stopped anybody from just saying, oh, it's locker room talk, right? I mean, people don't seem to care unless it's, you know, Governor Cuomo. <laughs> and then we could talk about it all day long. But besides all that, I mean, people are going to, you know, I just want to know, can he do the work? The the it is a grind. I'm seeing these other candidates going to counties, talking to people. Uh, Does he have it in him? So I I think he probably has it in him. But then the question is, is he really going to talk about politics? I mean, it's one thing if you show up and you're the beloved football star of yesteryear and everybody wants to shake your hand and have you autograph their, you know, their footballs for their kid. That's one thing. But it's another for you to sit here and talk about Afghanistan or, you know, any of the the major issues we're dealing with, the health care crisis, COVID, all of that. I mean, U.S. Senate is hard. Like it is. It is really hard to be a U.S. senator because of the power you have, but also because of the responsibility. And so he's got a lot to prove in terms of that. But one thing that we haven't talked about is the fact that probably the key to whether he wins in the primary or not um, or where he kind of lands, it all has to do with Donald Trump. I got a question on Twitter about this for you. What about the allegations of his wife and voter fraud? How will that factor into the election as far as allegedly his wife voted in Georgia when they lived in Texas? 
And we, as we all know, everybody's been spending time on election fraud. And here are the only stories of election fraud that I seem to hear, Jen, are from Republicans. Well, and, and, and really big mess ups are from Republican counties in the state, too. But for some reason, we just have to focus on Fulton. Go figure. But we'll see. Look, I mean, you know, the Secretary of State has would have to refer that over to the state election board, and then they would have to refer it to the AG. And my guess is the current AG isn't touching Herschel Walker's okay. wife. Well, that's a big reason why we need Senator Jen Jordan for Attorney General. But we'll be talking about that for the next year. I want to give a mention to Calvin King, who's running for senator, U.S. senator, with Herschel Walker. He has been traveling around. He's the Republican candidate. He has been traveling around. He's going to like all 130 counties. So that's what he's been doing. They're 159. 159. Okay. If he thinks there are 130, then we really got a problem. Okay. 159. And he let Stephen Fowler from GPB trail him one day. And I thought that was just great. I thought that that's the way it goes, right? You know, when you're doing this, you're trying to get PR, when you're running for public office, you have somebody go with you. On the flip side of that, it was fascinating at a uh, event for Burt Jones, who's running for lieutenant governor. Maya Prabhu was there and apparently Senator Perdue grabbed her arm and pushed her away when she asked a question on a different topic uh, about Jones. Yeah, I don't think this is... Look, I think former Senator David Perdue um, has gotten to these situations in the past. I think it is really troubling that he would do that to a journalist like Maya. She's very good at what she does. She's very professional and um, she's always incredibly respectful. So, you know, I think that was a big misstep on on his part, but it's it's really not that surprising. And I wonder how that is going to be with Herschel Walker. He has all of these repeated allegations of flying off the handle with women. I mean, again, allegedly, but there are a lot of them out there. His mental health comes into question. He wrote about it. It is not easy when you get out there on the trail. People are taking a soundbite. They're taking it out of context. It's it's a very, very grueling thing. Uh, how do you think he's going to handle that? Well, what's interesting is that at least for the immediate future, he is in a primary situation. So you have the ag guy, Gary Black running. You've got Latham Sadler. You've got Kelvin King. I think that's it for now, but there may be others. And the people that are going to be coming after him are going to be Republicans. So that kind of makes for a really interesting dynamic because how hard do they want to hit him if they know that Trump supports him too? because they don't necessarily want to make the former president angry. It's a really interesting, you know, situation for these folks. Kind of delicious. Here's another delicious, uncomfortable moment. Okay, so what about like the Georgia Bulldogs game? They don't want to get political, right? I mean, what about it? Is there going to be any honor or anything? Like, is Herschel Walker going to be able to go to a game or like do anything? Is he going to try to have a photo op there this season? And how does the university manage that situation? I mean, they're they're probably going to welcome him with open arms. Look, it's 
it is a really difficult situation for them because of who he is with respect to the university and, of course, football there. Um, but one thing we haven't mentioned is Burt Jones, who's running for lieutenant governor, also played for UGA on their football team. So, uh, you know, we're starting to get kind of a, you know, go Georgia Bulldogs <laughs> Republican ticket. And the biggest point I'll make to wrap up this conversation is whatever happened to shut up and dribble? Whatever happened to Colin Kaepernick's keep your politics out of sports? Whatever happened to shut up and sing? Isn't that interesting when suddenly it's your guy or your team? uh, Hey, this is suddenly great. I don't really get it. What kind of experience does Herschel Walker have in politics? at all. Some of these other Republican candidates running for Senate, clearly, you know, you've got Black, he's that was the ag commissioner. He clearly knows about politics and ele- being an elected official. I don't know that much about Calvin King or Sadler, but I mean, what does Herschel Walker know about politics? He really doesn't know anything, but I think that's the whole point. They just want to use this A-plus brand that he has from playing football um, in the 80s and just try to ride that all the way through Election Day. So, um, But fun fact, fun political fact, Gary Black actually defeated Brian Kemp in the Republican primary to be the ag guy for Georgia. So that's kind of an interesting well, you know, it's a little twist. It's also really fun to watch Kemp squirm when he's asked about Herschel Walker because that puts him in a very uncomfortable place. Because right, isn't he gonna he's well he wouldn't endorse anybody until it's like the real legit election, right? Yeah, unless yeah. he wanted to. <laughs> okay. Look, yeah, it, right, you know right, how right, these right, guys right. are. If they think it's going to help them, they'll do it. If they don't, then they stay on the sidelines. From the perspective of the Democrats, though, is is Warnock's team looking at Herschel Walker and they're saying, "Great, because I want to see those two in a debate." Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable just because I know how beloved he is by UGA fans. I really, I mean, look, I, I don't, I'm not even that big of a football fan. And and I know who Herschel Walker is and have always thought of him in a positive light just because of, you know, UGA. So that's, that's concerning. If the message around him and his politics doesn't break through, are people just going to be voting because they really think he was a great football player? Oh, I think they will. And they're comparing him to Tommy Tuberville. Uh, well, I don't know. That's not a really good comparison. Well, well, I mean, basically they're saying, well, you know, how Alabama fans, he had such name recognition there because of football. So that, I mean, but then again, he just had an R next to his name when he ran against Doug Jones. I think that was part of it. And then again, it's Alabama. Nope. <laughs> Go dogs. <laughs> Listen, I I think there it, it's going to be uncomfortable for University of Georgia with this. I don't think they want this. I don't think they want to be in the fray of politics. Um, that's just my view. I think it's it's that is not going to be easy, especially if he is the candidate, Jen, next fall. I mean. Uh, you know, are students going to like that? Are the women on campus going to be like? Well, and also versus a sitting United States senator. Right. Okay. So are the women there going to be like super cool with a guy who's an alleged, you know, not great, not great, not great. 
<laughs> anyway, this has been a great discussion with you today. It's so good to see you. Um, I know. I was so bummed that we didn't get really good audio with Patricia Murphy. We're going to talk to her again because it was tough. We couldn't really hear her, but we'll talk to her again and we'll talk to you again because Jen is still letting our podcast go as she runs for attorney general. Go to Jen for GA to, and give her money. What? Yes, you can do that. <laughs> Hey, thanks, Christina Lauriger, for always producing. Uh, you can always reach out to us at Senator Jen at Mara Davis. Ask us your questions. And uh, listen, if it's if it's Georgia politics, we're going to talk about it pretty much. <laughs>